Amen. Thank you, Marvin. I didn't introduce Marvin early on. I knew he'd be talking a little bit, and you can just see how hard that that is on him. We spent a lot of time together and um, met about 10 years ago. And there's actually a, a song that they wrote. Uh, I think I've shared it, but I had asked for a song to be written in case I ever had the opportunity to go to a prison courtyard to preach. And... Uh, my desire was to preach to a multitude of people who have been told their whole life they would never amount to anything. And the prisons are full of men and women who believe that kind of a lie. And so they did write that. And with the crusade coming up November, Marvin has uh, come in from New Mexico for one week. And he's working uh, as they got a band put together that will front for Jesus culture in this crusade. So it's... So it's a pleasure and a a real privilege to spend some time with him again. And that's the reality of the gospel. When it gets more complex than that is normally when we get into trouble. So, amen. If you would bow your head and let's pray. Father, uh, we thank you, Lord, for never quitting. I thank you, Father, for your word that makes us free. It doesn't come and then just knock to see. But when truth sets into the heart, it makes us free. You intentionally come to make us free from the things that have bound us, from the things that have hurt us, from the things that prevent us from getting closer to you, the one who loves us the most. And Lord, as I've bathed my own heart this week in simplicity, in a week when I seemingly was more busy than ever, today I thank you that it's reduced to the simplicity of you saving our life and spending all of our life and all of your eternity doing this one thing right on our behalf. And for that, I'm thankful. And it's a privilege to serve both in the days that are easy and the days that are hard. I still say to you, Lord, there's nothing too hard for the one I'm in love with. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 If you have your Bible with you, would you please open to the book of Ephesians in chapter 2. I do not have a prepared sermon today. I have really bathed my heart in simplicity this week and to bring a little bit of an update not only to those who are here but to those who are now listening week by week to a podcast sermon. Thanks to those in the tech team. Amen. It's making a real difference. I want to say that last week we preached a a message on simplicity that was the many things versus one thing. And we learned that If we would focus on one thing, which is Christ, that every other thing we do would have a greater meaning, would have a greater fulfillment. But if we get caught up in the many things, and we do not focus or get right the one thing, then we lose the meaning and the peace and the joy God gives to us 
by having the opportunity to do these things. So the Bible said in simplicity, if you would seek first the kingdom of God, all these other things could be added to you. And so we know that this one thing, and if we think about the one thing which is Christ, there's not anything made that was made without him. And if he's the core of all things, and we're pursuing these things, what could we really do right without him? Amen? So last week it was a many things versus one thing, and this week it was so fruitful to see uh, multiples of people refer to that message and say, I want to focus on the one thing. And I want to do some of the same things this morning in simplicity. I want to turn the angle of the same light we have from last week upon our own lives and possibly the way we minister and the thought we have about how God and His intention is toward people not just believers, but unbelievers. And as the church is uh, undergoing what I call a fall pruning, getting ready for springtime, uh, the normal atmosphere is to have hope for fruit. And so God is in this. Amen. If you have your Bible open to Ephesians chapter 2, I'd like to begin reading in verse 1. You're going to have that on the screen if you don't have a Bible with you. And you... Hath he quickened who were dead in trespasses and sins, wherein in times past you walked according to the course of this world and according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that now works in the children of disobedience, among whom also we all had our conversation in times past, in the lust of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of our flesh and of the mind, and were by nature the children of wrath, even as others. Verse 4. If you could see on the screen, would you say that with me? But God. All of that I just read... In times past, we walked according to the course of this world, the, according to the spirit of the power that now works in the children of disobedience. We had our fulfillment in the desires of the flesh, the lust of the flesh, and of the mind. We were by nature children of wrath. And then there's a... But God. This really got my attention in simplicity. But God. And all over the scripture, you can find God getting in the way of these situations. And in fact, Marvin's testimony was like that. My testimony is like that. And if you're converted to Christ and born again, your testimony has to have a point in time in which there was a but God. Amen. No matter what it looked like, what it sounded like, what you thought about it, because we learn here there's a corruptness of our thinking and in our mind that's contrary to the will of God. But there is a but God in all things. Amen. And he just shared a song with you that was written out of his own life experiences and all this devastation, all of this hurt and all of this tragedy. And then in the midst of this, there was a but God. Amen. And so I'm always hunting for the but God. I think even in counseling at times, you begin to hear the situations. And in the midst of this, I'm hunting for a but God. Amen. And so right here we have it. Let's continue to read through verse 6. But God, who is rich in mercy, for his great love wherewith he loved us, even when we were dead in sin, 
I want you to really think about it. Even when we were dead in sin, hath he quickened us together with Christ. By grace you are saved, and hath raised us up together, and made us to sit in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. But God. Amen. Okay, I don't know about your life, but I can think of my own, and I think about being 17 years of age, and a lot of what we read first in the scripture, we, I was dead in trespass and sin. I had walked according to the course of this world. In a practical way, I had uh, played around and flirted around with all my friends who were up to no good. Amen. They were following the course of this world, the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that now works in the children of disobedience. It was amazing that as I was in the, like in the fifth and sixth grade, no one had to teach me how to lust after the girls. Like nobody came to school and said, hey, by the way, Aaron, Wednesday night we're going to have a meeting down at this certain place and we want to teach every one of you boys how to lust after women. Nobody had to do that. It was like by nature, you know what I mean? And then like I had friends that were wanting to drink and huh? And it was like that's what and this but the Bible's talking here about us. People who are by nature children of wrath. I mean, if you think about the heart of mankind as they're born, no one teaches you how to lie. I mean, my little kids is, man, as sweet as Isaiah is and these big blue eyes on him and his cute little haircut. I mean, every now and then, it's just like, Isaiah, did you do that? And for just a minute, I can tell it's something in him wants to go, no. <laughs> huh? I mean, there's something deep down in this cute little boy with cowboy boots and a belt and a hat. Now, he looks at me and says, yes, but for a minute I spotted that nature. You know what I mean? And by nature, and so what happens is we learn that our nature is so, it's practical and it's drawn towards sin. And I mean, you obviously in your life, I, don't, I mean, I don't want to ask who sinned here, amen, so we won't do that. But, but if you think about the times when you know you have failed in an area, your automatic response is to want to hide. Hide. Why? Because the automatic response of Adam and Eve was as soon as they knew the difference between good and evil, they're then going to separate from God and now try to hide. The God who once created all things on behalf of them and just said to them, look, you know, it was kind of like this at the garden. Like God, God said like, Look, man, I'm, I made you in my image, and I made this huge garden, and all you have to do is dress and keep it. Like, I've provided everything for you, and I'm going to show up early in the mornings, and I want to just, like, have relationship with you and love on you. And But no, the, the devil starts deceiving into that God don't really mean that. Are you with me? God doesn't really, there's nothing wrong with this. I mean, let's just, come on. And he waits till she gets alone without her husband. And we're the most dangerous in sin when we're alone. If you want to find out who you really are, find yourself alone where nobody's watching you, and then discover what your thoughts are and what your motives are, that's how you know what the core is. Amen. When you can't be caught. Oh, everybody's like, no, I've never done anything like that. Amen. I've never. Huh? I mean, have you ever noticed like at times you can drive down the road and your mind will start going the wrong direction? Huh? 
And I mean, the Bible said that you need to cast down these vain imaginations and thoughts because they're exalting themselves above the knowledge that we have of God. And so there's a way you can reel in your thoughts. I mean, your thoughts can get into an area and start running. Do you ever notice that? And by the time you get to work for like a 20-minute drive, I mean, you're almost committing murder in your mind. I mean, it went from like they wouldn't answer the phone, right? And I mean, really, they were just taking a bath. But by the time you got to work, you figured out they don't like you and it's because so-and-so said something to them and you wasn't at Christmas party last year together and well, bless God, I'm done with them and I don't care. Amen. And the minds win every... Yeah, clap your hands because that's what we do. Man, we need some but gods in the middle of our life, don't we? Like, but God. And so, I mean, we can talk about this nature. The Bible calls it that we're by nature children of wrath. So by nature, they're just this nature in us that automatically would do these things. You don't have to teach people to do wrong. They will just do wrong. But God. And so he gets into this and he's talking about, but God who is rich in mercy for his great love wherewith he loved us, even when we were dead in sin. Man, this starts speaking powerfully to me. So the but God that gets in the way of my mess, that causes the blind intersection, the but God that gets here and with the motive of not judgment at this point, but love, this motive of love that gets in my way and becomes the but God, begins to do something greater than my sin, Are you with me? Like there has to be something greater than your sin for a but God to start changing the situation. And what was I really worth? I'm amazed at how professional we can become in Christianity in America. We're so professional. Amen, we're so professional at this. Hey, don't we? I mean, not as just our church. I'm not just speaking here. I mean, in general. It just, we become so good at doing church. I mean, at times I think in my own life, man, I'm so good at doing church, and sometimes I become so bad at following Jesus, you know? Now, I'm just talking to me, and so I was having some conversation recently with some really good friends, and we're, we're wanting to see him plug in to the Word of God, and right now there's not a great amount of light there. But man, we can really get in the way of God. Have you ever gotten God's way? It wasn't like a but God, it was like a but Aaron. Huh? And if you turn that around, Aaron was, you know, not good for the situation. Huh? I need some but gods in the middle of this. And it's amazing how when someone's wanting to get plugged in or like learn, what is the first, I want to just, you know, this is, I'm not going to just holler all day today. I want to be practical. Yeah, someday, Brother John Lloyd's laughing because some days I do holler the whole time. Amen. It's like you're not here, but you're on the back lot, and I'm just, you know. But, you know, in simplicity, what's the simple way that we multiply as Christians? And so we're still working on simplicity. How simple is it? See, because God's not as simple as you think. And neither is the work of Christ all that simple. But the way He paved for us to be simple coming towards Him is amazing to me. That He would actually approach like these fishermen who were 
according to their day, was very rough in their speech and rough in their life. And they didn't look like normal church members. They weren't already cleaned up. They had some bad habits. There's no doubt these guys had some bad nature. In fact, Peter, James, and John were called the sons of thunder because they were, had explosive personalities about them. But Jesus had come to them and say something like this, like, uh, hey, uh, follow me, and I'm going to make you fishers of men. And there they went. Well, that doesn't work for me, Jesus. Because as a preacher, I get more professional than that. Are you with me? Now, do you want to see how I do it? Huh? I walk, hey, how you doing? You know, you want to get to know Jesus? Yeah. Let me get you the sinner's prayer. And you can't find it in the Bible. Number one. And then the next thing, I want to really help this guy. And so I'm like, hey, now, like, what are you up to? Like, well, I'm doing this and this. No, you can't be doing none of that. No, you have got to. Are you with me? You see what we do. Now, it's not that God's not going to clean this life up, but I'm really getting in the way of a but God situation here. Are you with me? Like, all I need him to do is follow Jesus. Like, get plugged in and follow. And, and so how many people, I mean, I'm talking about this and exposing my situation, but are you multiplying? Are you multiplying? Are you, do you find yourself in a situation like I'm in where you're saying to the friends and loved ones and those that may want to plug in and you're in the water splashing around in all the grace of God and mercy and you're clapping your hands. Amen. We can get like that and have fun. But what about when they want to enter the water? What do we tell them? I mean, because if I'm in the water just having a ball and I've got the duck, you know what I mean? I'm, I'm sitting on the raft and I'm drinking a tea. I'm just lavishing in the, in the grace of God and the work of Jesus. Are you with me? And they're like on the edge going, man, I'd almost like to get in there. But what's it like? And the first thing we say is, the water's too cold for you. Are you with me? You're not, huh? Your feet are too dirty. Here's one that'll get you. You can't pee in the water when you get in here. You, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's always that young man that was standing still over there looking around at everybody. He's peeing in the pool. Amen. And so sometimes we need to be okay with somebody peeing in the pool. Amen. I know that's pretty rugged, but that's the truth of it. Man, we're trying to clean this thing up, and they can't have any fun. They can't get their first entry on the first step. I want to say the water's warm. Come on in and get some of Jesus, brother. I'm too dirty. No, you're not. We can clean this thing up. Amen. Because when he found me, I was a dirty mess, peeing in the pool, doing no good for nobody, but God got down in that thing while I was yet in sin. He sent Christ and bought me. changed my diapers. He did the whole mess. And guess what? Today, me and my flesh is still no good thing. My humility and ability to surrender is still as important today as the very first day I ever begin to serve God. And the Bible teaches us here in this verse all how we were dead in sin, locked up in our trespasses, bound for wrath, headed the wrong direction. And then this but God jumps out in the middle of it. But God, like I love you. I mean, we really need to hear this. Like I love you. Do you mean you love me like I am? Yeah, I love you. So see, I want to say to this, friend that I've been talking to recently. No, you know what? God really loves you. This is how much He loves you, that while you are yet in sin, 
you were worth it for Him to pay a price. Like if you were on the auction block with the devil, figuring out what way you would go, I want you to know that a but God was so much bigger than your adversaries that God was the only one there and maybe you had your head down and you know you're not worth anything and everyone's bidding on you. And there you are. And it reminds me of Abraham Lincoln. He said that the reason that he changed uh, the, the ideas of slavery in our country, he was so adamant. He said, when I was young, he said, I went to an auction and a young black girl was up there on the auction block. And he said, I saw this young girl and she said her head was hung and she couldn't defend herself. And she was scared and they were bidding on her. And he said, I didn't know much about it then, but he said, I told myself if I could ever do anything about this, I would change this. Another little girl would never be on the stage being bought and being scared and separated from her family. Not knowing where she's headed, not knowing what her worth. I mean, after all, who is going to be the highest bidder? But if I think about it, my life, I was on the auction block. I was just as scared as that little girl. I didn't know where my life was headed. I was fearful also. And then there was a but God, and I thank God the reason I'm a preacher today is because out of a whole crowd of those who had bought me for slavery in the devil's camp, there was a God that stood towers above everything that was there. And I can still remember His voice. And can you imagine if you were on the block today, a God bigger than everything there that steps up that owns everything and raises His hand and said, I think I'll pay the price. I want to pay the price for this one that's got his head bowed. And this is where but God gets in the way of everything else and every other plan the devil has and tried to destroy and tried to put you down and make you believe you weren't anything. This is where a but God says, I'll pay the highest price right now because I want to own them. Amen. I loved you more while you were yet in this posture and to prove it I sent my son and crucified him on a cross for your sin so that I could pay a way for you to get into eternity. That's the gospel. And then we're going to have to deal with after the but God who is rich in mercy for His great love. Would you say today that if you see your life on the auction block And you can get a revelation by the Holy Spirit that God is so great with love. He is so rich with mercy. Do you believe that? Do you believe that the but God in your life right now, in your situation, with all of the tragedies, maybe you feel like, Aaron, if you put my life on the auction block, I'm not worth a great deal. But do you understand it's not about you? God wants to take the weak things of the world and confound the wise. He loves to take broken things and and make them whole. He loves to take prisoners and captives and set them free. Jesus came for this kind of a ministry so He could find the brokenhearted and those who are hurt. I mean, but can you see it in your situation? Is the gospel simple enough that the but God can still buy your situation? Or have you been saved? I'm not speaking just to lost people. I'm saying to you, if you've been saved for years, is the but God in your situation still big enough to retrieve you? 
Is the but God in your situation so big and He is so rich in love, so focused on your life and what you're in, that just because He bought you the first time doesn't mean He quits bidding? When they come to try to say you're not, the color of your skin, the blood that's in your veins, your social status, it doesn't change the but gods in your life. That the time that He bought you then, He's still willing to pay the price for you now. I mean, really, do we know the but God in our life today knew where you would be today? You're not surprising God with what's going on. And I'm not making excuses for sin, but I do think in balance we need to say to one another, God's love is so much richer and the grace so much greater than our sin. And this is where God has glory in and of Himself. Amen. Everyone's thinking, oh my goodness, the but God's. But God. And so how does this work in a simple way, Pastor? If we're not careful, we get very professional. And then all of a sudden, we start trying to get it all done for the person. And pretty soon, if you're not careful, you won't multiply. There's been times in my life I noticed there was no multiplication. Amen. There are other times there was amazing multiplication. And I had to ask myself, does anyone want what I have? If they don't want what you've got, there's no way you're going to multiply. And I think to examine ourselves to see if we'd be in the faith is a very noble question to ask the heart. I mean, some of you, I watch you just, just multiplying. You can't wait to go tell someone about what God's up to. And what is so encouraging is that you could expose like your trouble, but how rich God's love is and the but God in your situation. And then all of a sudden, because they've also got the same thing going on, they need the faith of this but God can do this. This is the practical, simple nature. So the simplicity of Christ is not in that God is so simple because He took something so vast and so large but simplified it to a way that I could actually do it. Like I could really follow Him. He said, follow me and I will make you. He just said, follow and I will make you. I'm excited for these home meetings. There's going to be some people you invite and they come over and maybe they don't look like or walk like or talk like today, but the but God can get in their situation as you teach the Word of God to them. And if they just learn one verse of Scripture in the next 60 days and can apply it to their life, this is the first step into the water where they quit peeing in the pool. Amen. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> Uh, man, I may be sorry this went out on podcast when it's over. Amen. So what did he preach on? Peeing in the pool, you know. <laughs> but God, who is rich in mercy with His great love, is His love great to you? Wherewith He loved us, even when we were dead in sin, hath quickened us together with Christ. By grace you are saved. He has raised us up together and made us to sit in heavenly places, in Christ. He didn't just bid on you, but He seated you somewhere far above everything this world has to offer. And if we ever see ourselves seated with Christ, how would it change your life to know your faith in Him seated you somewhere you could have never walked on your own? You could have never placed yourself. I mean, man, I've been bathing in Scriptures like Isaiah 66 with God and the vastness and all of His creation, what am I going to build that would call God to want to come? Really? Really? I mean, we've been doing some building, and uh, 
I don't know how much it impressed God as far as like, you know what he's saying, man, I just want to hang out on this right here. I mean, could I get larger and go like to the Taj Mahal and say, God, we built this for you? Would that cause God to want to come? Probably not. Or could I say, you know, and Isaiah said in all this writings, he said, God's not interested in what man builds with his hands. After all, the heavens are his throne and the earth is his footstool. There's really nothing I could build for him to make him want to come because I made it out of something that he already made. That I picked up some wood that he caused trees to grow and that was because of Christ. And I don't think there's anything I could do in that metal and digging out of the ground when God already weighed, according to Isaiah 40, all the dust in the balance. And he knows how far the waters of the sea would come. And tonight we're going to watch this blood moon and God orchestrated that in relationship to the feast days of Israel. Are you kidding me? And like we're just the right distance from the sun. So as we go around the sun, we're not too hot or not too cold. If we were just a few miles out farther, we would be a frozen earth. If we was too close, we would burn up. He did all this. And I'm trying to build something naturally to think he would want to just like, am I going to press God with my building of my hands? No. But he answers it and he said, but those who have a contrite spirit, a humble and a contrite spirit and who tremble at my word. So I want to know today when I say to you, but God in your situation, is there something in you that says I need to get a hold of the but God in my life? Because preacher, everything before but God has tried to derail and I begin to believe this at times, this lie this thing that's in my nature to do. I've left thinking my own thoughts. But there's a but God that is rich in mercy and rich in love that wants to forgive and wants to give to you what He wants for you. He wants you to see who He is in your life. Can you see Him beyond your head hanging on a place where you're trying to be bought at an auction? Can you see Him as being the greatest bidder of your life? I mean, is He the one that still pays the most for you? And this is the simplicity of the gospel that we keep our affections in a simple way toward Him. And last week we preached many things toward one thing. This week I say to you, it's important that our simple posture toward Him be one that says, God, You're so great. Your love is, and Your mercy is so rich that I want to do everything I can, not only in my life, but how about my next door neighbor? How about my husband and my wife and my grandchildren? Like, am I multiplying this kind of rich love to them where they want to get in the pool. And I don't care how dirty their feet are or what they've got on. I just want them to get some of this love of God that He's given to me. I know He's so great. And no matter what they've done, He'll buy them. He's bought them at the cross. He's paid the price with Christ. This blood did the job. But am I doing the job of communicating the simplicity of Jesus by letting everyone that I know and I'm in contact with that this is available to them. That because I go to a certain church or because I'm a pastor, it doesn't put us notches above. It doesn't cause the standard to raise where they got to do something to get something. But this is God, the but God in their life. And you may be the voice for the but God to begin to flow in their life. You may be the very one that God wants to speak through to say to them, I don't care what you've been in. I want you to know God is rich with mercy and love. How do you know? Because I've embraced it. And this is the light of the world. This is what He equipped His disciples with. This is why He said, you're the salt of the earth. This is why He said, you're the light. Amen. It's so easy to go the other direction. 
Amen. If I could, just amen. Let's give some invitation. But God. Man, in all of our efforts, we just need the but gods of our life. We don't need the but errands. The but whoever's. We don't need the but hypocrites. I'm always thinking, like I said, well, do you want to come serve with us? And they said, I would, but there's hypocrites down there. And they say that about everywhere in churches. I said, well, come on down. One more won't bother. <laughs> but the truth of this is, it's not about me. It's not about whether there's hypocrites. This is about, but God paid a tremendous price and he knew where you were and where you are today and and God held up his hand and he's seen you not because of your flesh but he's seen you being bought by the price of Jesus Christ he's seen this blood when it poured down an old rugged cross and it was almost like a syringe as if a doctor was going to come at you and try to give you a vaccine. That day on the cross, everything in heaven cringed because all that heaven had to offer laid itself as a supreme sacrifice on an old wooden cross. He'd been beat and spit upon. But the devastating blow is when the Father would allow the sin of the whole world, that means your sin and my sin, the sin of your past... The sin of today. And this great big needle of the injection of the sin of the whole world. And for a moment, Christ said, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And it wasn't because his father wasn't listening. Every angel in heaven was on alert. But sin caused separation from God originally. And he had to receive this forsaking moment to know what you feel like when you've not been the best husband, you've not been the best wife, you've not done always the right things. Christ had to identify with the sin of the world. And it was this sin that brought death. It's the same sin that brings us death. And the devil thought he had really got everything where he needed it to be. Oh, he was rejoicing. Now we've got him. He's taken his last breath, but the last words of the mouth of Jesus Christ on a cross of Calvary was, It is finished. And he submitted himself to the death. All this glory of heaven, everything heaven ever had to offer from all of the prophets of old, they spoke and testified of Him. Everything ahead of from the Alpha to the Omega, could look back and forward to one point, and that is at the three words of it's finished. And I don't know for sure, but we're going to hear for eternity what heaven sounded like in those three days. I don't know if there was silence. I don't know. I don't know what the devil and all of them were up to, but I could see almost like it was a party started. Like, yes, 
We finally got him where we want him to be. And all night Friday night, man, they just didn't hardly want to sleep in the devil's camp. And Saturday, the party went on. All night, Saturday night, they had you where you wanted. And with all that you failed in in life, is the devil kind of raging against you? And then all of a sudden, we rolled into that Sunday and early in the morning while it was yet dark. The same God that you think would forsake you in your sin. There was a but God that morning. And that morning early what was yet dark and you couldn't see the light of the sun. A but God stepped out and He was going to display His strength to all of humanity, all of eternity, and He was going to get glory for Himself and He was going to put to silence once and for all those that were afflicted by their own sin. And His love was going to reach far beyond the sin of your life. And God's grace was going to get rich this day. God's grace was going to get great this day. God's grace was going to get greater than sin this day. And the sin that buried Him in the tomb for three days was going to get up this morning. And when He came out of the tomb, everything in heaven went into ecstasy. Everything began to roar. And you can read it in Revelation. The lion out of the tribe of Judah has now prevailed. He's overcome death in the grave. He lives forever more and today we sing he lives he lives Christ Jesus lives today there's no way to have a dead church with a living resurrected Savior named Jesus Christ who not only sets seated but is willing to seek you and buy you while you were in your sin and pay a price that he could set you with him with the Father God's great and he's graceful And He's rich with mercy. There's none like Him. And He's coming back for a bride who has received His Word and by faith come to Christ, pierce themselves through, saying to Him, I want to witness the resurrection love. I need a but God in my life. So would you please stand to your feet? I ask you in simplicity to offer the but God to yourself. Let God go to work. And then be the light. I want to see how you multiply by next week. Find one person this week that you can share the rich love of God with. First, enjoy it. Taste it. See it. Feel it. Touch it. But then go give it. Let Him bless you. Let him break you and let him give you to the world. Just one person this week, it may be your friend, maybe somebody you work with, maybe someone you've lost hope in. I want to see you multiply. You'll have such joy knowing that it wasn't just a but God, but now he's got a whole bunch of lively stones. And he can send you to say, He doesn't have to stand here for me to hold my hand up and say somebody else paid the price. I've done some bidding on my friend's behalf knowing they'd write the check. And you can pray. You can speak to those things that be not as though they were. You can walk into their life and say, I want you to take your first toe, put it into the water. I don't care how dirty your feet are. Come to Jesus and follow Him. Come and see where the Savior lives. See how He died. See how He was raised. And let Him clean you up and come on in and enjoy the lavish love of the Father in the Son. Amen.